Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, it's that time. Bird Street 65 is in the air. And we got plenty to talk about because it was a busy day for the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday, which means it was a busy day for my partner, John McMullen. Well, I was going to have on my radio show last night, and then the Philly game ran long, and I gave him an out and said, you know, it's getting late if you want to. <laughs> Anybody uh, take that out quicker uh, in your long and storied history? You were pretty damn fast. The, the text <laughs> exchange was seconds, not minutes. Uh, but uh, I gave Johnny a pass last night because I know how much work he had to put in yesterday. As the Eagles were making major moves, so was everybody else in the league. It's not like they were doing more heavy lifting than anybody else. But we will debate the Eagle moves today here plenty on the next two hours of Birds 365. All right, John, you knew it was coming down 4 o'clock. You knew that, well, you didn't know, but yeah, at some point you did because I sent you a notification. These individuals would be available for the media, uh, and it was both uh, Howie Roseman and the head coach, Nick Sirianni. Uh, just impressions off the top of your head. What surprised you the most? What caught your attention? What uh, befuddled you the most with the Eagles cutting down their roster to 53 guys? I don't know if there was much befuddlement. I mean, I think it was kind of funny that uh, Nick Sirianni finally had to admit Jalen Hurts was a starting quarterback. And even that, he hemmed and hawed at the beginning. And I was like, oh, here we go again. And he finally said he's the starter. But uh, Jordan Mailata left tackle. So, you know, for whatever reason – that and let, let, let me interrupt for one second, and then I'll let you go forever. I, and I'm ticked off at Nick Sirianni because not only does he finally name him the starter, he had the nerve to say, and oh, by the way, he took all the snaps with the ones. Yeah. So we kind of announced he was a starter previously. No, you didn't. Every day, someone for the media availability had to ask, are you ready to name a star? Are you ready to name a star? Are you ready to – and he kept saying no. But now well, we're supposed to know by your actions that you actually named the starter three weeks ago. Yeah. Nick Sirianni, I got two words for you, and they're not happy birthday. <laughs> All right, that was better than me. I'm glad you jumped in there. I, I just thought the whole thing was silly through the whole process. I said, we actually stopped asking. He didn't get that question every day because we knew it, uh, but then you finally got to get it on 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 the record. And I think it was Tim McManus who asked the question. And I got to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest because I was on right after. I, I, I was next up after McManus. And McManus asked my question. I was going to ask about Gardner Minshew. And so I did, you know, that's what you do. You got to think of another question. So, but I'm also listening. And uh, I'm, I, I hear Nick start with his blah, 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 first team reps. You know, you, you should have known all that kind of stuff. And I kind of tuned out because I'm thinking of a question. I got to ask Roseman something. Right. And at, 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 after he hemmed and hauled, he finally said, Jalen is our starter. I didn't even hear that. I was just in my mind saying, oh, he's hemming and hauling again. I'd moved on to the next thing. So ultimately, I went back and read the transcript. He actually said the words for the first time. So right. 
that's a good thing, I guess. I, I, it is right, though. And that's why I said it was so silly for so long, because I, I've said it so many times on this show. Yep. He didn't even miss a rep to tie his shoe, to go to the bathroom, <laughs> to have a bathroom break, his shoulder pad messed up on a day with the, you know, something, these little things could happen. And somebody will say, Joe, go take a rep with the first team. Not even, didn't miss one. And and this guy was going on and on. Well, you know, what? blah, blah, blah. Now, I will say this a little bit later. He talked pretty nicely about Gardner Minshew. He talked, but that's a bigger deal than people think it is. He talked about playing him twice a year in the same division, talked about him going 19 for 20 right. uh, against the Colts. It, it, it doesn't mean anything right now because he got here so late, but this is more than a third string quarterback. I'll just say that, Jody. So that was number one. Number two, I thought I thought Howie showed some discipline by thinking about the future rather than the right now. Now, part of that is the rules. We've talked about the rules a lot. They're they're much more liberal. Uh, all the guys that we speculated uh, that might go short term, Richard Rogers, Jordan Howard. Uh, Hassan Ridgeway did go uh, work cut. They kept the younger players. They kept Tyree Jackson, even though he's hurt. Davion Taylor on the 53, even though he's hurt. They kept all the, they kept eight of nine draft choices. They even kept Jack Stoll. They probably didn't have to, but they kept Jack Stoll. So they, they were disciplined. Um, I think that's a positive. Uh, and, Negative? I, I don't know. I didn't see much negative. We were talking before we went on the air about Marlon, Marlon T. Yeah. Le, 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 I'm going to screw up his name. Uh, I got to get it in front of me. Everybody uh, when, does. When, when, when Marlon T. will cut it, J-Mac. You don't have to yeah. say any more than that. But I want to get it right because Halepulibanti Baitai is, you know, something I'm very proud of. So you got to get it. It's going to be here. It's Marlon Tui. Pelotu. So as long as I got it in front of me, I can I can do it. But anyway, it, he he was not good in the preseason. He was not good in practice. He was getting pushed around. You know, I think ultimately he's just got to get a little bit stronger. That happens with a lot of college players. They kept him. I think Pro Football Focus graded him one seventy seven out of one eighty one. So that's pretty bad. And and they somehow found the spot for him. Jacoby Stevens, the only rookie that got, got uh, waived. So you have to ask yourself, what the heck was going on? He was injured. Is there something more than that, though? Because they kept a lot of other injured players. Uh, but for the most part, they were pretty disciplined. Um, and, you know, I, I thought it was a non-eventful Matt Pryor. I talked about, I said they could get something from Matt Pryor. They got yes, something from Matt Pryor. Um, JJ Ortega Whiteside, I guess, is the biggest lightning rod, but that was becoming clearer and clearer. He was going to make this team, and of course, Andre Dillard. They were never going to uh release Andre Dillard, that was silly. Um, so I guess those were the big takeaways. Couple uh, JJ Ortega Whiteside, <laughs> and then we'll just get to the position in general. Five wide receivers, really, uh, JJ being one of them. Did he get himself over the top 
with the big play made against the Jets in the final exhibition game? No, I, I, I think he, that helped, but I think he got himself over the top because Travis Fulgham and John Hightower were just awful all summer. I, 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 you know, I, I talk about this team's not good at receiver after Devonte Smith and even Devonte Smith, when we, we treat him as a sort of uh, constant or I think he's going to be a really good player, but he's a rookie. I mean, you expect some hook hiccups and that's it, man. Look, Quez Watkins had a great summer and I think he's got a lot of a potential. Jalen Rager, you see the one-handed catches, you know, obviously the talent is there, but the consistency isn't there. And then from there, it just drops off a cliff uh, with Greg Ward and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Here's how I said it. You know, they can probably get better on the waiver wire at, at wide receiver four and wide receiver five. But for the guys that were here, J.J. deserved to make this team. Uh, he's just better than Travis Fulgham, and he was better than John Hightower. So – from that standpoint, it was a meritocracy. Right, then, then let me let me play devil's advocate and argue against you. Travis Fulgham had four really good games last year. Four really good games. No, that was a 16-game season. He only had the four. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside hasn't had four good games in his career. So it was all based on purely practice in three preseason games. Well, I the, will the say, remember, we got it from we, last year. Don't matter. We got a new coaching staff. They weren't around for that. They're 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 judging players. They've told us they're judging players. They're looking at players with a new eye. I, I will say this. If you weren't involved with these two players and you came in and said, who's the better of these two players? You're not going to say Travis Fulgham. Now, if you want to put on last year's game pass tape and look at it, and you're going to say Travis Fulgham uh, was a better player. But I'll also remind you, he got benched. He got benched for a reason, and people were criticizing Doug Peterson and Aaron Moorhead. Aaron Moorhead, by the way, was here. So he knows why Travis Fulgham got benched. Hint, hint, not a good practice player. Uh, and that means something to football coaches. I get what you're saying, Jody. The red light's on, man. There's something to saying this guy's a game player. This guy this guy produces when the lights are on. But I also want to point out to people, if you go back, I know everyone talks about those four weeks, and they were great. I'm not trying to take that away from Travis. But they think he was just benched while playing really well. No, he was completely shut down by James Bradbury and the Giants, and then there was a second game. Now, Bradbury's a great corner. Um, my point is people started to adjust to Travis Fulgham and say, okay, the Eagles have nothing else. Let's take Travis Fulgham out of the game. They took him out of the game. He had two terrible games before he got benched on the field. So people assumed he was playing great, he was playing great, he was playing great, and Doug benched him. Not the case. You can go look at the numbers. He played 80 90% of the snaps, did nothing. And again, with Bradbury, it's a little bit understandable because that's that's probably a top 10 corner in this league. And that's not his role. He's not a wide receiver one. That's what you want Devontae Smith to be. So, look, J.J.'s done nothing in this league. And, you know, we talk about pedigree all the time. That's part of it as well when it comes to Howie Roseman. Uh, don't 
uh, under <laughs> underestimate that. One of the Cleveland reporters uh, tweeted, I think it was Tony Grossi tweeted out that Andrew Barry, who obviously he was here for a very short time, has kept all 15 of his draft picks from the past two years. I say it all the time. It's not just the Eagles. It's right. not just Howie Roseman. So, but that means something as well. Well, and little did I know, and again, I'm not there for practice, and I know you guys have to try and watch three or four things at once, uh, so you might not have as good a feel on that as you saw on other things. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, special team standout. Uh, the coach tried to <laughs> run that up the flagpole yesterday. Yeah. I'm going, okay, I'm going to have to ask my Eagle Reporter fans about this because I don't remember one of them either on yeah. this show he with me or writing their columns going, oh, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside with a big special team play. Really? I got to go back and catch that good game tape, coach tape, I guess, because I don't remember him making any plays. Yeah, he did make a tackle in the Jets game. So that's a, uh, yeah, that's a special. But, you know, look, neither guy ever played special teams, really, between J.J. and Fulgham, at least at a high level. Um, was he a little bit better than Travis Fulgham? Maybe. Is he a special team standout? No, I would say not. By the way, Jackson, but what are the most surprising cuts to me and why I lost to Bo Wolf again, which I'm angered about, but um, was Craig James because he's such a good special teams player, and and they they released him. Um, Rudy Ford, who if people remember, he's one of the best special teams players I've ever seen, and they lost him to Jacksonville. And I just saw I, I happened to see Jacksonville was raving about him, talking about him being the best gunner they've ever seen, which, by the way, I said that last year when he was healthy, which wasn't a lot. He played half the season. He's the best gunner I've ever seen. Um, Eagles let him go. I don't know. I feel bad for Michael Clay because I didn't see a lot of – there are certain guys who are good on special teams. Bill Alfie fans should know that with Chris Maragos. You don't have to go back a long way. Right. Brian Brayman. These guys, you know, Najee Good, I'd put in that category as well. These guys weren't good positional players, but they were great, great special teams players. And it was no coincidence that the Eagles were in the top 10 of the NFL and all the special teams metrics when they were here. You got to pay attention to that part of the game. I've been seeing a lot of attention paid to that part of the game from Nick Sirianni to and this that, point. That's something we will keep an eye on with Sirianni because uh, we're going to evaluate the new head coach in many ways, shapes, and forms, because it's his first year here. And, yes, we'll see if uh, either through the roster and the, how they deploy it, if special teams is an area of weakness, an area of strength for the Eagles, or just an area. We'll figure that out over a period of time. One other Sirianni knock. I don't know why, but I'm more ticked off Sirianni today <laughs> than maybe I ever have been before. How many times have you had access to the coach with Howie Roseman sitting next to him. I know you and I have talked about it a couple of times, and I usually give Sirianni credit because for a guy who is as young in the job as he is, he's not afraid to jump in and uh, make his point and speak yeah. his mind, which I give him credit for. But when did these two develop a relationship where they're doing inside jokes? No, oh, that's They Howie. were like that's talking. That's Howie. That's they, Howie. 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 Well, yeah, it's more Howie and Doug. Just yeah. sits there. Uh, Doug. Damn. 
there's a Freudian slip. Uh, mm. Nick sits there and, and tries to not roll his eyebrows, but I was doing it on TV. Does Howie think he's going to be performing at the Chuckle Hut next week? Yep, yep, exactly. I, I make the same joke. I even use Chuckle Hut. Well done, Jody. I hope you got that from me, but I don't know. Um, Howie's kind of a goopy guy. Howie always tries to crack jokes. They never land. Nobody laughs. It's not as bad on Zoom. He doesn't get the feedback. He's done this for years. It's weird. It gets very awkward in these types of situations. You can watch any Howie Roseman press conference. He tries to crack one or two jokes. None of them land. No. But God bless him because it's tough. I did it in college. I went up there once. I did 10 minutes once. It's hard. It is freaking hard to go up there and crack jokes. He tries. God bless him, but it does not work. That's not Nick Sirianni. Nick, although I will say Nick seems to make him laugh a little bit more with some of the things he does. When Nick slams the podium, um, how he usually chuckles. And when he gets all energetic and fired up, which he wasn't, he was kind of understated yesterday, Nick Sirianni. If they both look tired. I mean, it's I'm tired. It's, right, and, it, and they it, still it, got more work to do. Yeah. We got to go till four o'clock this afternoon. The juggling continues, and I think the attempted humor was Sirianni said the whole world saw the game. I guess they were on national TV. The whole I got, world saw Joe Flacco. I I, got, I think it was ten thousand people in MetLife Stadium, and about I don't know fifty thousand on on. Actually, you know, a lot of people do watch Eagles games and Jets games, but come on, the whole world. Okay, yeah, yeah he overstated and how he tried to rib him and it just fell flat on its face. Uh, but I digress. All right, a uh, couple other questions. Um, we've only got one guest planned, Les Bowen, our buddy. Now with the uh, Associated Press, Les, the former Inquirer guy doing some right, AP work. Les sneaking in. He did. He got the dead last question yesterday. Good for Les. Um, we talked about the wide receivers. Three running backs. Now, we know it's not going to stay that way because, again, we're going to hold Nick Sirianni accountable for uh, the stances he's taken <clears> and things that he said. Uh, he likes running back by committees, not a, a workhorse guy. You're not going to have 80% touches to mile standards. Well, you need some depth there. Just a calculated release of Jordan Howard yesterday that they can get him through the first week, go with three running backs week one, and then bring Jordan Howard back. What did you read into? No, they're going to try and get Hundley back for the practice squad. They cut him early, got him through waivers, so now they know they're going to already negotiate with him for the practice squad. What do you make of just three running backs on this roster right yeah, now? Yeah, I think it's just the manipulation of the rules we talked about. And honestly, they could bring him back. You know, they're going to put certain guys on injured reserve. Remember, Jordan's a, a veteran. He's one of those best in veteran guys, so he doesn't have to go through waivers. He can sign with anybody right now. Um, he didn't have a lot of interest in the offseason. I don't think he has much value to anyone outside Philadelphia. I think they're very comfortable. Uh, might even be a wink-wink deal. Look, we'll bring you back when we manipulate all these moves. And by the way, they like him so much, I th- they expect him to be here, I think, all year. So they might even not wait till week two because he doesn't make a lot of money. They might bring him back by week one. Um I don't think the guarantee part of it is going to have much effect on the Eagles. Now, they might. I mean, 
but they can go about it. What I'm trying to say is they can go about it either way. They can, they can make their moves. They obviously, you know, Howie pretty much admitted they were going to claim a player or two on the waiver wire. Um, There's an interesting part. I think people think, well, you just put injured reserve. No, if you claim somebody on the waiver wire, um, you have to cut somebody to make room for them because you can't start putting people on injured reserve uh, until after that. So, there is some more manipulation than people realize, but ultimately when they do get uh, the Tyree Jackson's on injured reserve, Davion Taylor's probably going to go on injured reserve uh, players like that. Then you'll have two more spots and then you can bring back a Jordan Howard might be a son Ridgeway might be Richard Rogers, um, you know, players like that. Yeah. That was going to be my next question. Rogers, a uh, little surprise kept four tight ends, one of them not named Richard Rogers. Um, he is one of those vested veteran guys who you can, if you wait till after week two, bring him back and not guarantee his entire salary. Uh, do you think that Howard and Rogers are in the same boat? You just said maybe not for Howard, that they might make that move uh, for week one and not worry about the guaranteed aspect of the contract. How about with Richard Rogers? Yeah, same thing. I mean, you know, how much 12 are they going to play? You know, I know Jets Twitter was a thunder yesterday with Zach Ertz rumors. Uh, You know, who knows? Uh, But I think Zach is going to be here. I don't think it's important uh, to have Richard back. However, let's let's say in that kind of scenario, the Jets who traded uh, a tight end. So that was part of it. Uh, Who'd they trade, Jody? Chris Herndon. Uh, Chris Herndon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and your team, the Vikings, where you thought you could actually see Zach Ertz yeah. land. Well, well they, they were the Jets they, tight end. They, they were desperate for a tight end, as I said. Um, so they can go both ways with Richard Rodgers. I would probably lean towards week two. Uh, you know, but they wanted to keep the young guys. They didn't want to expose, obviously, Tyree Jackson. I think they could have exposed Jack Stoll, gotten him back on the practice squad, but they obviously felt differently. And, you know, maybe that is, and this is, you know, when I kick myself, when I talk about the the roster pool, you know, I I say every year, you know, general managers like to keep at least one undrafted guy, another ego thing. I, I went against my rule. I went against my own rule, Jody. Jack so Stoll was the undrafted. You didn't have Stoll on your roster. Okay. Um just on the Jets, and then uh, one more question for you, and we'll take our first break. Um, I'm surprised. It, it's a legit uh, line of thinking that Joe Douglas, ex-top lieutenant to Howie Roseman, who left himself with just two tight ends, neither of which have accomplished much in the National Football League so far, on their roster after the trade and the cutdown. I can't they believe. Well, we'll see if he gets scooped up. But my guy, Yaboa, who catches the game-ending Hail Mary 55-yarder in traffic. That wasn't enough. He had two touchdowns in the game and yeah. still couldn't make the squad. Well, I we talked about it. it. We talked about it with Kayvon Seymour. How you're uh, here. You were talking about the hits principle. He's the guy who turned the football over. Right. Look, he wasn't making the team. Third team against third team. You know, I don't know what's going on with Joe in New York, but I'm guessing – Third team against third team. It doesn't mean that much. So okay, I'm, but I'm Kenny, hoping they get him back on the practice squad because I was impressed. Sorry, and I saw. Yeah, I watch the Jets all the time, so I watched earlier, and 
Yes, he never got in against anybody's first team. But who played their first teamers in the no. uh, preseason? Well, that's Nobody of- did. And you that's why against that the third team. Well, you didn't get a chance to get the first team because the first team was on in civvies on the bench. Well, I think we were talking about Nick Sirianni. I think it's ironic. You know, he talks about everything matters. Everything matters matters from a competition standpoint. We joke about rock, paper, scissors, and tether ball and ping pong and three-point shooting contest. He says there's a winner and loser to every rep and practice. You either win it or you lose it. Everything's competition, 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 except the actual competition. That doesn't matter at all. Right. Football. It's it's amazing. It is amazing to me. It is kind of uh, humorous if it weren't uh, as serious as it should be. Um, All right. So you've kind of like mentioned it in passing. We need to officially get on the record here. Bo Wolf now three-time defending. Roster champion? champion. I have my conspiracy theories. Uh, yeah, Bo won. He, he, he got 51 out of 53. I think he only missed. Uh, he had Travis Fulgham on the roster, and he had Coyote Awasika on the roster as an undrafted guy. So he had two undrafted players on there. He did have Jack Stoll on there. Um, I came in second, tied with Zach Berman. Ironically, tied with his partner, Zach Berman, and my partner, Ed Kratz. Really? So the Athletic slash Sports Illustrated took down the gold, the silver, the bronze, and whatever the fourth medal would be. Yeah. And, you know, technically the, the practice squad, which will start being assembled probably later this afternoon, um late this afternoon um that is the tiebreaker but i don't care if you don't win you don't win i just put everybody in second place okay so yeah fine enough um and i do want to ask you about the practice squad uh but first things first i'm going to ask you about what claims the eagles may or may not be making certainly positionally if not individually uh, and again, remember this, Eagles fans, we've heard it here on Birds 365 before over the last week. There, This is probably the last advantage you get for last year's 4-11 and record. Well, no, I guess you're still in the same waiver claim all year. Somebody hits the waiver wire this year in season two. You still use No, it's only year. the first couple of weeks, I forget. First it. couple of we, weeks, that's, we, yeah. At some we, point, this, yeah. this season's standings kick in. But yeah. the first couple of weeks of the season, they revert to last year's standings. So the Eagles are six, correct me if I'm wrong, in the uh, waiver order because it's exactly the same as last year's draft, and they were supposed to draft six before yeah. they traded down. To, and and uh, I was surprised how honest how he was. He, I believe, he said we're gonna we're gonna pick up a player or two. So he was pretty honest that they're gonna be scouring the waiver wire. I think you know it's tough to go through those names. That's why that's where Andy Weidel. Uh, and his staff makes their money. Um, but I would look real heavy at wide receiver and maybe cornerback, e- even running back. You know, if you can get better than Jordan Howard, get better than Jordan Howard. So um, those are some of the – they're really deep on the offensive line, really deep on the defensive line. They think they're really deep at linebacker, evidently. Oh, I, I um, want to get I want to get to that too. All right, Johnny, let's get our first break in here. Come back again. Uh, no guests for today. It's just John and I. 
until hour number two when we're going to punch up uh, our buddy Les Bowen, formerly the Inquirer, now doing uh, stuff for AP. Uh, it is a Birds 365 cutdown edition here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We are the Mac and Mac guys here on a cut down day edition of Birds 365. Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Um, Jim, just touched on it before we went to break. we got to go more in depth here. Seven linebackers. Seven. Here's one thing I know for sure. Jim Schwartz, no longer the Eagles defensive coordinator. If they're keeping seven linebackers. And I thought that uh, Jacoby Stevens was going to be one of them. He's not even among them. He gets no. the axe, which I can't quite figure out. But seven. Uh, you know, I'm a Temple guy because my daughter went there, so uh, go Owls. Uh, Sean Bradley did nothing to impress me. As a matter of fact, the Eagles' second and or third team defense kind of just got slashed and dashed all three preseason games. And I know the coach put a lot of emphasis on practices, specifically joint practices and the like, but 
Sean Bradley not only didn't make plays, he looked like he got abused, and somehow he's still on this squad. How do you make seven linebackers out of 53 men kept on this team? Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, I'm with you. You know, I thought it was interesting. It was Albert Breer, actually, from Sports Illustrated, who uh, reported um, before the cut that the Eagles were taking calls on offensive linemen, uh, which made sense. And obviously, they were able to, to move Matt Pryor because they have tremendous depth on the offensive line. Um, and they cut players. They had to cut players that belong in this league. Um, and he also said they're they're shopping linebackers. And I said, what? They're shopping linebackers? Now, ultimately, I've heard, you know, they were shopping one linebacker, and that was Gennard Avery. Um, you know, maybe trying to spin off something um, for a guy who's got a little bit of pass rush ability. Uh, but he's a tweener, you know, he's a defensive end edge rusher. They're trying to turn him into a Sam linebacker. So obviously that didn't come to fruition. You bring up Bradley because that's the interesting one to me as well. I don't think he deserves, again, we talk about meritocracy. I don't think he deserves to make the team. However, you need a backup off-ball linebacker, and they don't really have a backup off-ball linebacker behind Eric Wilson and Alex Singleton. So I think that's where he fits. Um, you, but you probably like to be better. Um, and then, yeah, Patrick Johnson, who's the rookie. Um, T.J. Edwards, uh, more of a Mike linebacker, more of a traditional, uh, uh, you know, middle linebacker. Probably the only one they have. And then Davion Taylor, who's hurt, probably going to go to short-term IR. But you knew they were going to keep him because he's got such a, um, you know, he's a third-round pick from uh, last year. He's got tremendous athleticism. You know, again, we're back to the pedigree discussion. Um, so you knew Taylor was going to stay. Um If you had better players, if you had more receivers – I mean, I think it would have shifted the thinking, you know, but you have a couple light positions. You're light at corner. You're light at receiver. You're even light at safety. Um, so you make that decision when you're at the back end of the roster, 50, 51, 52, 53. Okay, well, this guy, you know, maybe we have too many linebackers, but I don't want to, you know, what's John Hightower done? Well, am I going to keep John Hightower? I think that is more the conversation. All right. Uh, the Eagles do pick sixth off the waiver wire today. So if any of the teams that finished with a lesser record than them last year, including the Bengals who finished with the same record, but via tiebreaker, they're uh, right before the Eagles in the uh, perspective uh, order of selecting guys that have been waived. Um, I know uh, that uh, there were uh, hundreds of guys that were waived in the National Football League over the past 24 hours. So I'm not going to uh, hold you down and give me, say, give me the exact names <laughs> that the Eagles going to pick because, oh, by the way, they could be picked off by one of the teams ahead of them. So uh, they might have had a guy that they're not going to get a chance to put a claim in on. Uh, again, uh, positionally, since Howie did say we're probably going to be active on the waiver wire, what do you think the positions they're going to try and target uh, before 4 o'clock this afternoon? Well, I think receiver would be number one. 
Uh, I think that's pretty clear. They need better depth at receiver. Um, I think running back is a, you know, you have a chance to look at the wire and say, okay, yeah, we can bring Jordan Howard back, but if you can find somebody better uh, that you like better, maybe you can go that direction. And then the secondary, I think cornerback and safety, they need another outside corner at least. Um, you know, Zach McPherson, we've talked about, is is a rookie. Um, and if, God forbid, anything happens to Darius Slay or Steve Nelson, I don't think that would work out well, at least early in the season. So you probably want a little bit more help there. And I don't think Josiah Scott is uh, an outside corner. He's 5'8". Um, I, I just don't think you can hold up outside. So they need help there. And then probably safety, um, especially if, you know, Rodney McLeod is active now. Is he going to be ready for week one? Is he a candidate uh, for short-term injured reserve? My indication there is not unless there's a new injury because you activate him. That's a clear indication that he's healthy to practice. So that means you can't put him on injured reserve with the same injury. So you got to either make something up, but uh, I don't think Rodney's that type of player that's going to go around, go along with that kind of subterfuge. So I, I do not like the depth at safety with Kayvon Wallace. I, I, he has not played well. Uh, he's been injured. And then Marcus Epps, I think is, um, I think he's a decent player, but I think he's very redundant to what Anthony Harris and, and, and Rodney McLeod, to be honest, both do. They're both more coverage safeties. They're not box safeties. So I think you lose some versatility. And Kayvon Wallace just isn't ready to play, period. Uh, I'll tell you what I thought about the safety position. I thought they were going to keep five, which included Elijah Riley. And they decided to make him uh, available on the waiver wire. My guess is if he gets through waivers, that will be a – uh, top priority, and I'm going to get to the whole practice squad thing. I'm going to make you this one. I don't mind putting the pressure on you because mm-hmm. I know you've already done it and figured out who is going to be on the practice squad or had a list before yesterday's cuts. So you got to make a couple of adjustments. But I think Elijah Riley would be a priority guy for them on the practice squad if he gets through. Um, not sure that that's going to be the case. Do you think the Eagles have a chance to get stiffed there and he gets uh, claimed by another team? Um, look, you never know, but I do think when you flood the market, remember how many cuts are out there from every team. So you think about it, you're going from 80 to 53, there's 32 teams. So you're the math guy on this show, Jody. You see how many people are hundreds. flooded. Just, just go with hundreds, John. Yeah. Hundreds covers your butt. Exactly. So the, the, the when you flood the market like that, it generally comes down to, okay, you know, think about the Eagles last year when they picked up Huntley, it's like they liked him in the draft. They were thinking about taking him in the draft. He, he, he was released and all of a sudden they say, okay, let's take a flyer on this kid. That's generally how it happens. It's your previous sort of work. Now it's a little bit different because we're back to preseason games. So maybe, you know, somebody saw Elijah Riley make a play, um, Ultimately, I think they are going to get be able to get him uh, through towards the waiver wires, uh, toward through the waiver wire. My big thing with Elijah Riley is what I talked about a little bit in the first segment, Jody. Another special teams guy. This guy's a 
was a core special teams guy in their preseason groupings. I mean, a core four guy played on all four units. Again, they release him. Now, Howie made this clear, and he's right. You know, people think it's 53. It's not 53. It's 69. And it's not 69 for the Eagles. It's 70 because they have a Matt Leo, who's an international player. They have an exemption for him. So they look at this as a 70-man roster because you can elevate guys uh, from the practice squad on the roster because the COVID rules have carried over. So when we get to week one in Atlanta, the Eagles are going to elevate two guys from the practice squad for that week's game. Maybe it's Elijah Riley. So maybe you have extra help at safety in that framework. And that's how they're looking at it. Um, I think they're comfortable with getting him through waivers, and I think they'll get him through waivers. Fair enough. All right. Speaking of that practice squad and expanding the roster, uh, every team can now add, or not now, but uh, later today, can add 16 players. Um, you know who you're going to claim and not going to claim. Uh, I think this is one of those, my favorite term in sports. And when I say that, it's with tongue implanted in cheek uh, and completely dripping with cynicism. I can't stand the phrase legal tampering. (laughs) If you're tampering, that makes it illegal. So there's no such thing as legal tampering. An oxymoron, Jody. I'm with you. That's one of my pet peeves. Right, and just dumb. Um, And Eagles aren't supposed to be talking to even the players that were in their camp they were waived yesterday, which means they're no longer the property of the Eagles. They're on the waiver. They can be claimed by anybody, which means they shouldn't be cutting agreements with any players. We all know that that's happening. Harry Roseman and or his minions are talking to the agents of these players. We really like them. We're so hard to cut. We, we just got caught in a numbers game. We're definitely going to bring him back for the practice squad if he wants to come here. And there is a little wiggle room in the negotiation. The money is basically set, but you can pay your guy a little bit more if you really want him, and that may entice him to come back here. I'm thinking the Eagles are going to be bringing back a lot of their own players. The COVID rules just make it uh, easier for you to keep your own players and probably advisable to keep your own players. So I don't think that they're going to go handpicking guys off other teams' cuts that they didn't have room for on their 53 and couldn't claim, but would love to have on their practice squad. I think there's going to be very little of that. Uh, give me your best guess scenario with the 16 guys that are here. <clears throat> you already drew up the list, but you didn't get the 53-man roster exactly right, so I know you've got to make some adjustments. What do you think the Eagle practice squad is going to look like? Well, I, I think if you look at the players that there's no doubt that they won, want back, uh, you just mentioned one of them would be Elijah Riley. Right, so the right. guys they have to get through waivers, I think Raylan Arnold, another defensive back, is in that category. Uh, Coyote Awasika, the offensive lineman, he's definitely in that category. They want him back. Um, Jacoby Stevens, the one draft pick they did cut, they want him back. Raquan Williams, uh, they will want back. Um, and of those guys, I think the most likely to be claimed on waivers would be Stevens because of his draft uh, uh, pedigree, as we talk about. Now, again, maybe somebody else was doing homework on Jacoby Stevens at draft time and said, okay, we, we want to take this guy, and they weren't able to get him. So that's what you're concerned about. And then I think uh, Coyote um, – 
he's one of those offensive linemen that showed uh, a lot of promise. And uh, I know, I know the Jets and the Patriots were impressed by him. Um, and he was kind of doing some interesting things in individual drills because he was, I always talk about offensive linemen in this league, especially rookie offensive linemen. They usually got to get stronger. This guy was beating people up. This guy was pushing people around. It was rare. And I'm kind of surprised he didn't get drafted. So that's a guy I'd be a little bit concerned about, but, you know, he might be number one on the list as far as who the Eagles want back. Then you start talking about the Travis Fulgums of the world. Well, you know, he might get picked on waivers because of that four-week period we talked about. John Hightower, um, do they want him back? Mike Chiquette, I think they would want him back. Can you convince Craig James uh, to to come back on the practice squad? They would certainly want him back. Andre Patton, uh, wide receiver, got here a little bit late. Um I would think they want him back for his special teams sort of versatility. And then you can bring some veterans on, on, on the practice squad now. Right. So the Kayvon Seymour's of the world. Look, I don't think a Rogers or Ridgeway or a Howard are going to accept that, but maybe Andrew Adams does. Um, maybe LaRaven Clark does because he's still so close off an Achilles injury. So maybe he knows he needs a little bit more time. So those are some of the names that I think the Eagles want back. I don't think they'll be able to get them all back. Um, But again, it's hard to look at the needs of the 31 other teams in 24 hours and figure out. I do know I would be interested in certain players, and and I've kind of mentioned some of them. you know, Awasika most notably, uh, Craig James also I would be interested in, especially in a cornerback deficient league. That's why I think he was my most surprising cut. It's not sexy, but if you were asked me, okay, I got four wrong, who was the one that shocked me that I got wrong? It would be Craig James. Craig James. <laughs> um, and again, maybe I read into it differently than uh, the Eagles did, or uh, maybe they were just uh, throwing cover. They did talk about special teams, and they really didn't seem to protect guys who have a track record of being able to play special teams. Somehow, J.J. Arcega-White Here's a question (laughs) I can ask you. Uh, The amount of time that the Eagles spent. You are at all the preseason practices. Not much. I know where you're going. Not much. The percentage of time that they spend on special teams as compared to offense and defense. And we've all seen coaches who've said – it's three direct, uh, completely across the board, even aspects of the game. We are 33% an offensive team, 33% a defensive team, 33% a special teams. Oh, except when they actually practice it. And then it's not even close. So I don't know how much of an opportunity you had in practice to be able to judge how good a special teams guy is. Oh, you've got all of last year's tape. Oh, you've got all of the years before tape, as a matter of fact. The guy's been here a couple of years. But J.J. Arcega-Whiteside somehow opened the Eagles' eyes with his great special teams yeah. uh, this summer participation. Um, they just didn't uh, seem to take that into consideration here. And you said it earlier. Let me second it. 
kind of feel for their special teams coach, who I think was kind of told, yeah, we'll get to you. Yeah, we'll get to you. Yeah, no, you. We, here's what we're doing. We're giving you props by making you work with guys who haven't done anything on special teams. We've got that much more faith in you that you can get these guys up to speed for special teams. And James and Riley were the two guys that I thought had shown on special teams that they could get the job done, and neither one of them made the team. Yeah, Craig, no doubt about it. I mean, he he showed I, – I thought the Eagles had the best gunners in football when they were healthy, and they were rarely healthy. And that was – I mentioned Rudy Ford before and Craig James. They were the two gunners on punt coverage. I, I mean, the Eagles were lights out when those two guys were on the field together. But, yeah, it's not very sexy. But I, I'd bring it – if anybody should know what it means, it should be the Philadelphia Eagles because of the names I mentioned, the Maragoses of the world, the Bramans of the world. Um, you know, Chip Kelly put a big influence on special teams when he got here. Uh, that's when Dave Phipp got here and very early throughout the, uh, Chip Kelly regime and early through the Doug Peterson era, the Eagles were always good at special teams. Always good. I, I don't think the last couple of years it fell off. Uh, last year, I think, as I mentioned, due to injuries, especially when it comes to coverage, because Ford wasn't out there enough. James wasn't out there enough. Uh, the return game wasn't good. The specialists, I think, are going to be fine. Um, so I don't think it's going to be terrible, and I don't think it's going to be all that noticeable to the average fan. But I, but I, but I am concerned that they are just given – Look, I'm not sitting here saying you you got to keep three players for just special teams. I don't know if you can do that. Um, but man, I got to give guy one or two, and I I got to tell you, a guy like Craig James, Jody. Every time they throw him out there at cornerback, I mean, he's the guy who won the game against Aaron Rodgers. So it's not like he didn't contribute in other areas as well. Just, yeah, that was a surprising cut. Now, he was injured. Maybe it's just about the injury. Maybe that was it because he hurt his foot. Maybe he was going to make the team. Um, I don't know. I, I worry for Michael Clay, who, by the way, happy birthday, just turned 29, I believe. 29, the youngest coordinator in professional football. And his, his reward for that, go out there and make – Chicken salad out of you know what? Yeah, exactly right. Uh, birthday yesterday or today? I think it was a couple of days ago. Let me look it up. Birthday man, uh, you like to get those birthdays in, yeah. and you stay on top of them. I give you a lot of credit for that. All right, one more special team point. We take a break. Come back and uh, again continue to dissect the Eagles' cut down to fifty-three men. August thirtieth, uh, Jody, and he's thirty. So now he's ooh, he's he he's was thirty on the thirtieth. Yes, August 30th, and he's now 30. So he's welcome, no welcome longer to, a 20-something. Welcome to the 30 Club, which I'm <laughs> almost 30 years out of. Uh, good to have you there, big guy. Um, we talked about special teams and coverage in the making of the plays. Uh, a lot of times it comes down to the guy who it starts with, off their foot. And that would be, of course, your kickoff guy, Jake Elliott, and your punter, Aaron Tipas, <laughs> who went untested and... Uh, what was the – I think Kemsky used it as ran unopposed uh, at their position. He was Sorry. pretty good, though. Aaron was pretty good. And, by the way, when Jake Elliott got hurt, Aaron Sipos was the one kicking off, and yeah, he did kick, a pretty good yeah. job. So uh, we give him a nod for that. 
uh, ranking the Eagles against the other teams in the league, because that's all you can do right about now at both the kickoff and punting aspect of the games. How would you say the Eagles fare matching up against uh, the teams they'll be matching up against during the year this year? Um, specialist, I'm not concerned. I think Aaron proved himself. He was the one question mark, and he he had a pretty good preseason. Pretty clear he's ready uh, to be an NFL punter. He was with Detroit last year. I don't think people realize how good Detroit's punter is. Uh, he might be the best punter in football. Uh, Jack Box, uh, he was unbelievable. Uh, and he yeah. lost out. It, that's because he got a lot of work because well, the Lions stink on offense. The more you do something, usually the better you yeah. get at it. Well, so that's I how he became. You. He had a lot of chances to punt last year for Detroit, so that's how he became the best punter in the NFL. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you, and it's easy to make that uh, joke with the Lions because they are terrible. But, I mean, he was he was the Justin Tucker of punters. I mean, I, I'm, I'm – you know, obviously he was an all pro average. Oh, here we go. 49 <laughs> for over 49 yards, a, a punt, 49.1 yards, uh, net average 44.8. Ooh. I, if I, yeah. If you're over 44 is net, that's yeah. pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was tremendous. That's the guy that Aaron Cipas, um lost out to. So we talked about competition. That's a competition. You know, you often see the Ravens bring in kickers. I always, they traded a kicker. I think his name was Kair Vedvik. Uh, Who, what, there? What did you yeah. just say? He was with the Jets for a short period. You don't remember Kair? No. Um, th- th- he came in and he had a good preseason, but obviously you're not beating out uh, 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 Justin Tucker. Might be the best kicker that ever lived. And uh, they spun him off for like a fifth round pick, and he was just terrible when he got somewhere else. But it, it, it is interesting when you see the Ravens always bring in a kicker just to lighten the load off Justin Tucker, or the Lions bring in a punter uh, to compete with a box, uh, uh, and the Eagles are like, "Nah, we're gonna we're gonna go on a post." But while I do say that. I, I think I'm not nearly as concerned with Jake Elliott as some people are. I think he's fine. I don't think he's a top five kicker, but I think he's certainly top half. Uh, Rick Lovato is one of the best long snappers in the league, which nobody cares about until you do care about it, uh, and they make a bad snap. So I'm not concerned about the specialists. I'm concerned about the coverage teams when it comes to special teams. Real quick, Jody, too. Interesting tweak with the new roster rules. Four, I think four teams that I know have cut their long snappers just to save a space for somebody else. And then obviously they're going to bring them back. Right. And the flexibility between being on the practice squad and being able to call up a guy, you're calling up your long snapper, you know, you're going to go ahead and do that. Um, and the reason why I asked you about the two kickers are yes, if they're good enough, they can help out if you don't have great coverage. If you're booting it into the end zone every single time, and I wouldn't say that's a strength of Jake's. Uh, I would say Jake has got, you're right, middle-of-the-league type depth to his kickoffs. Uh, I think he's actually top half of the league in accuracy on the uh, field goals, except from 33 yards. For some reason, (laughs) that distance seems to be a problem for him. 
49, not an issue. 33, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, but I, I'm okay with the Eagles in there kicking, and that can lessen the load for the kind of coverage that you're going to need for specials, which uh, does uh, is something the Eagles have to keep their eye on as the season starts. All right, it's Magamac, John McMullen, Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Coming up next hour, our betting Les Bowen's going to hop aboard. We'll run down the Eagles stuff uh, and their cuts and the like. Still got a couple more things I want to get to with John, but then I do want to go a little bit around the league. Some surprising uh, cuts slash determinations, including a new quarterback in New England. I guess Cam Newton got shut down by that Eagle defense. They kept winning all those joint practices, and maybe that's why Cam Newton's without a job right now. Uh, got a rookie <laughs> starting up there in New England. So a couple and, things and around that, the league. Yeah, maybe should have got that vaccine too. Oh, I don't want to get people upset. Well, guess what? Go ahead. Urban Meyer looked right in the camera and said, oh, yeah, the vaccinated yeah, players. Yeah, he's in trouble for it. Cuts. He's in trouble for it. They should be in trouble <laughs> for it. Uh, we'll try not to get in trouble. McDonald and McMullen here with Embirds 365. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. (laughs) 
It is a cut down week birds 365 episode here with you on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. McDonald and McMullen, your Mac and Mac guys, giving you our insights for what the Eagles did yesterday. Cutting and slashing. Now they'll do some tinkering. And we will find out at four o'clock today how those tinkers pay off. Uh, John, you mentioned that uh, how he did come right out and say that they may be active on the waiver wire today. Well, you can put in a bunch of claims. But here's the thing about it, and I, I think I understand this, and you're going to correct me if I'm wrong. If you put in a claim for the player, you at least in your mind have to have an adjoining move because you have to stay at 53 guys. So if you're awarded a player, somebody's got to stay off, come off your 53. So I don't know if it's positionally, if you're claiming someone from a specific position, well, then you got to cut somebody from the same position. It's not a rule, but you would think it would make sense if you think you got balance to your roster now, or you're changing your priority of position, you're going to cut from another area. Uh, so I guess it's uh, a prediction I'm asking you to do. When all is said and done, how many cuts do you think the Eagles are going to have to make in addition to the ones they did yesterday? because they're going to be granted claims on players. Well, if you're a really bad football team, I always, you know, waiver claims tend to be overrated. Um, end up being about 30 a year, if you think about it, uh, in which there's 32 teams. So do the math. That's less than one per team. If you're a really bad team, a lot of For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Teams don't pick up anybody on waivers, a lot of good teams. If you're really bad, you might pick up three, you might pick up four, but. Anything past that. Well, uh, then yeah, so now you got to get on the record. How really bad are the Philadelphia Eagles? I, I well, man, you know. You, you said I, it, I didn't. You yeah, said you, if you're a really bad team, you had two, three, or four. I, I would say two would be my wheelhouse for the Eagles. Um, now, you and I have this discussion all the time. We're a little bit more optimistic. I think this team could win eight games. We're more optimistic than a lot of people. Um, mainly due to the offensive defensive line, but I also well, think you mainly look at, due to the competition in the NFC <laughs> least. Well, that too. Um, but if you look at the philosophical uh, theme behind this roster, I think the initial roster, it's, you know, they kept developmental players over veteran players that probably are more liable to help you in week one against Atlanta if you would need them. So the Patrick Johnson, the late draft picks, Marlon, we just talked about Patrick Johnson, those types of players who's, you know, making a big shift from college edge rusher to Sam linebacker, um, Tyree Jackson, Davion Taylor, we talked about. These are developmental. Sean Bradley, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, these are end-of-the-roster guys that, look, if you're going to find somebody better, they'll be the first to go. So you got to look at those players and say, you know, it's great that they made the initial roster, but that's why I hate, you know, you mentioned you hate the term legal tampering. I, I, heard, I hate the team. I hate that term, but I also hate the term 
final cut. It's not the final cut. It's the initial cut. Okay. And guys can get excited for 25. They might be gone uh, as soon as a waiver wire pickup. So it's no, there's no finality about it. All right, John, let's get back to something you touched on in the first segment of today's Birch 365. And that is the fact that Nick Sirianni, maybe a little pep in his step in his voice when he was talking about Gardner Minshew yesterday. He did come out and say he's number three. Unlike Jalen Hurts, which he had a month plus to say he's number one and he never did. He immediately said Gardner's number three, but... You realize we played him twice every single year, and he went 19 out of 20 against us. So I've seen this guy, and he can play. The, the praise was uh, a little on the glowing side, even though he's going to be number three. Um, Jalen Hurts was named number one yesterday. That should be all that matters, all that we're talking about, yet we're not. Uh, and I saw the roster and said, Three running backs and five wide receivers. What they are, they are what they are. Their talent was what it was, and they made the decisions that they did. But it's not exactly like they've given Jalen Hurts great weapons in his one-year test run here in Philadelphia. Devontae Smith better be as good as I think he's going to be. Otherwise, this is a really questionable wide receiver core. Um, they didn't give him a whole lot to work with, John, other than hey, the offensive line got healthy which is a big part of why you and I think they can actually win eight games. Are they giving the young man enough of a shot as their starting quarterback? Well, I I mean, he's got a very small path. I say it all the time. So it depends on your viewpoint of things. And, you know, you have this group of fans that say Jalen Hurts deserves this. He doesn't deserve anything. This is the NFL. Um, But there's a way to go about things. And the Eagles – you would think would have learned that there's a human element to just adding people to the quarterback factory and how we joked about that. And it it went flat as well. Um, He does that all the time. He's terrible. He's just terrible Um, at attempts of humor. Does it all the time. And it always falls flat. Um, So they, you know, Say what you want, and I know you believe that Carson Wentz should have handled it better. I think he should have handled it better. I think that part of it's fair. But if you're the Philadelphia Eagles and you just lived through that and you truly believed in a quarterback, well, do you really want to bring in a guy who's more accomplished and is talking about – because he's more accomplished, as Nick Sirianni pointed out, 19 to 20, 93 passer rating. Oh, look at these numbers, Jody McDonald. Uh, Gardner Minshew's numbers on a bad team are are pretty impressive for a young quarterback. A hell of a lot impressive that another young quarterback had on another bad team. So, you know, can that seep into somebody's psyche? I think Jalen Hurts is well – he's gone through it already at Alabama. I think he understands it. I think he's got the type of mental toughness to not let it affect him. But I also think, and I say this all the time, and I said it with Joe Krause yesterday when I was talking about my initial thoughts, don't listen to what a team says. Watch what they do. Gardner Minshew is just another insurance policy because they don't believe in the quarterback they have. 
I think there's something to that, but I do think there's something to the fact that they they believe that they are some quarterback factory and that they can evaluate quarterbacks more than anybody else and find the diamonds in the rough and turn them into better players than they were or spin them off and get more than they got. Who's the uh, diamond in the rough, though? Who's the diamond in the rough? The guy who's performed or the guy who hasn't performed? That's a very fair question, but I don't think the Eagles or they, they, they devalue that in their evaluation of what they're actually doing. And let me repeat this. I think I said this here on Birds 365 the other day. I know I said it on uh, WIP last night. Here's the one thing that I think everyone is underestimating in their evaluation of Gardner Minshew coming to Philadelphia. And I get it. This is a Philly show. It's a Philly town. It's a Philly team. And people are mostly interested in the effect that it has in Philadelphia. But I think oftentimes when when I use the collective we, you know what I'm talking about, we um, don't take enough time to look at it from the other team's perspective. The Jacksonville Jaguars were willing to give up on Gardner Minshew. Now, he's he's not going to start. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a starter. We all know that. The only person on the planet who didn't know that was Gardner Minshew. Yeah, I, I haven't gone to the bathroom because two is unacceptable to me. Okay, Gardner, I give you this much. You're more funny than Howie Roseman, but that's about the only guy that you're funnier than. Um, but guess what, Jody? Can I jump in here? Yeah. That's why Jacksonville wanted him out, because all they want is a backup quarterback that will support the starter. They don't want somebody who says, I want to compete. I want to push. I w- I'm better than this guy. They don't want that. Correct. They want a guy who will support the starting quarterback. Well, guess what? Philadelphia just brought in a guy who has already showed you evidence that he will not support the starting quarterback. And, oh, by the way, I hate to break this to people, but Trevor Lawrence, even though he's a rookie, is a hell of a lot bigger ceiling of a player than Jalen Hurts. Correct. So if you think Gardner Minshew is going to come in here and say, Oh, I'm happy being number three behind a guy. I think I'm better than. I I I don't know why the Eagles don't see this. I really don't. If they don't see it, I think they do. I think they misjudged Carson Wentz, and they realized they did, and they basically uh, showed that they did by turning around and trading him. But they just evaluate uh, Jalen Hurts in a vacuum, and they say. Well, this kid's going to be able to handle it. We, we know that we're putting a little extra pressure on him when we're upgrading a position like backup or third string, but we think Jalen's up to the task and it's not going to get in his head the same way that it did with Carson. Well, you were wrong about Carson. You could be wrong about Jalen. I think they will be right. I think he's a tough-minded kid. I think he will handle it. I don't think it'll be an issue. But those who just say, a great trade. How can you get a guy a talent like Gardner Webb? You're right. If there isn't an issue in the room, if Gardner Webb does, and we're not asking him that you use the word support. He's got to support the first string quarterback. No, I think that's Flacco's job. And I think Flacco is willing to accept it. Um, Gardner Minshew just needs to be available. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a mentor to uh, Jalen Hurts because basically he's only one year further along than Jalen Hurts is. It's not like he's a grizzled veteran. I want him to learn from a guy who actually won a Super Bowl, Flacco, not Gardner. I mean, 
just don't stir the pot, Gardner. That's the only thing I'm right. asking. And, and that's, that's the only why, thing I'm saying. Yeah. Don't stir the pot. Yeah, I I don't I don't think support and is a synonym with with mentor. I agree with you. You can't mentor. I mean, they're the same age essentially, uh, although one does have more playing experience. Um, but support to me means you know, be a good soldier. Don't 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 create waves. I I don't know if he's capable of doing that. And by the way, I agree with you, Jody. I I'm I'm very confident. I have no concern that Jalen Hurts will be able to handle this certainly far better than Carson Wentz from a mental standpoint, a mental perspective. He already knows he's got that very small window to prove he can be the starting quarterback of this team moving forward because if he doesn't play well, it might not be Gardner Minshew, but it might be Sam Howell or, or Spencer Rattler next year. He knows he's already got that small window. So I don't think this changes much for him. But I'll tell you who it changes things for. Nick Sirianni. Because this is a football passionate city, as you know, Jody. We were talking with our friend Bob Groats yesterday. We talked about the potential of a bad start. If you don't win in Atlanta, look at that schedule. This is a rookie head coach with a guy who went 19 for 20. I've seen him four times, really talented quarterback. I'm going to start one and five with a guy struggling, and I got a guy who I think can play. You think Nick Sirianni can be disciplined enough not to go, oh, I got I to gotta check out what Gardner Minshew can do for me. I, I This creates so many issues for the Philadelphia Eagles. Bottom line is here's what they should have done. Look. We all know they were trying to get Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play here. It, it doesn't look like Houston's going to be able to spin him off anyway, uh, at least until things clear up a little bit more. Right, which, um, by the way, just let me add, and I'll let you finish your point. Yesterday was kind of a key day in trading Deshaun Watson. If yeah. they wanted to do a deal, you probably wanted to do it before teams had to cut down to 53. That's yeah. another one of those markers that we passed yeah. that, oh, this would be more optimal for, for trading to Sean Watson. It's gone. It's done. Better chance to Sean Watson stays place in Houston. Sorry yes. for interrupting. Yeah, so that's out the window. And how we kind of admitted that and said we're moving forward with what we have. At that point, when you can't get to Sean Watson and it, you're at the end of that road, then I think the Eagles should have shifted toward, okay, we're giving Jalen Hurts this year. And maybe it ends up that way. And then you make, you reassess after the season and um, potentially you go in a different direction or, or Jalen Hurts proves himself. Um, now you've brought in another curveball to it. And the fact that if he does struggle, he's going to get pulled. He's not going to get a chance to, to, to move past it. And guess what? Young quarterbacks need – they're going to have hiccups, Jody. At times, they're going to play poorly. That's just part of it. Uh, Troy Aikman started, what, 1-15. in 15. I mean, what, are you going to pull the plug on him? Uh, okay. Uh, they need an opportunity to get through the hiccups. I don't think he's going to have that opportunity. Now, if things go bad if things go really bad, because now Nick Sirianni has an option. If he doesn't have an option, 
he's going to have an opportunity to get through the hiccups. I, I think it's a bad – I think it's what I said about the Jalen Hurts pick. I'll say the same thing about the Gardner Minshew trade. It's great in a vacuum. Life doesn't exist in a vacuum. Here's why I look at them slightly differently. And I have to because I thought the Jalen Hurts draft pick actually was meritorious. And they were targeting him as a backup. And if you can get a – he was the fifth quarterback taken. Love was the fourth, and he was the fifth quarterback. There were four first-round draft picks taken in at the QB position. He was uh, the first in the second round. So he's the fifth quarterback taken. You get the fifth quarterback in a draft in the second round – and you can pay him that second round money for four years as your backup. If but you that's the vacuum, this- Jody. I right. agree with everything you're saying. That's the vacuum. All that stuff is good. I agree with you. What I'm saying is it's not in a vacuum. And we now yeah. have the benefit of hindsight. And we already know the end. And the end was the quarterback. And you can blame the, the quarterback. You oh, I'm going to. That's what I was yeah. going to say. My bad, because I didn't know Carson Wentz was a pussy. Well, yeah. And and the Eagles can say that as well. My bad. I didn't know Carson Wentz couldn't have. But then learn from it. Learn from it. Instead of going down the same path. Now, again, nothing's the same. Jalen Hurts is, I agree with you, is a mentally tougher player. I think he'll handle it better. Um but also there's more pressure this time because remember Carson Wentz, $140 million quarterback, yeah. proven guy. This time the guy coming in is more proven than the guy who is your starting quarterback. Understood. All right. Last thing. And then we'll get a break. And uh, Les Bowen scheduled to join us here on birds 365. The coach was, although very praiseful of Gardner Minshew, uh, up front and quick to answer, much quicker than he was talking about his number one. Gardner Minshew is number three. You got this Flacco guy in between the two guys we've been talking about now for 20 minutes. And yes, the whole world saw Joe Flacco perform as well as he did against the Jets on a soggy, wet monster of a field uh, last Friday night up there in the Meadowlands. Um if Gardner Minshew is going to become the number two at some point, it's going to purely be on paper, unless Jalen get, Hurts gets hurt at some point in the first quarter, half of the season, whatever that's going to happen. <clears throat> is that going to be a question John McMullen or anyone else is going to ask at any point in the media availabilities? Uh, how would you rank your three quarterbacks? I'd like to know that if we know ahead of time that in the mind of Nick Sirianni, uh, somehow Gardner Minshew has moved to number two. I wouldn't mind knowing that from an Eagle fan perspective. No, well, we had it last year with Nate Sudfeld. Remember, at the beginning, Doug Peterson, Nate Sudfeld, Nate Sud, he's the backup. He's been here. He's been here. And all of a sudden, Jalen Hurts is the backup. Correct. Um, so it's pretty easy to see it um, when it happens. I, I will say it's pretty – look, Gardner has to start at number three. came in so late. It's easy to say that now. Um He's still learning the offense. He's learning the team. He's getting at, on on an even footing. I think ultimately if Jalen Hurts has to come out uh, for a couple plays or two or three or four, if it gets banged up, it's going to be Joe Flacco. Right. If he has a serious injury, they're going to try to get Gardner Minshew up to speed as quickly as possible, um, and, and he's going to take over this team. So I think that's how it's going to go. 
But I do think ultimately at some point this season, yeah, you're you're going to see Gardner Minshew pass Joe Flacco because Joe Flacco is not going to be here next year. Um, you know, and and in the vacuum, if it works, Jalen Hurts or Spencer Rattler or Sam Howell or whomever is the starter, and Gardner Minshew is the cost-effective backup. And that will be fun to see what Gardner Minshew says about backing up the new Eagle quarterback. Because we know if he doesn't believe that the guy ahead of him is better than him or is less experienced than him, he's willing to uh, put forth And if opinion. you don't think Trevor Lawrence is, is, is better than you, you're probably not going to think Spencer Rattler is, never mind exactly. Jalen Hurts. Uh, a little on the delusional side on Lawrence, but that's okay. Nice mustache there, Gardner. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald with the Mac and Mac guys. Timeout coming and then our bud, Les Bowen, doing the eagle work these days for uh, AP. Got in the last question yesterday in the uh, press gathering. We'll talk to Les Bowen next here on Birds 365. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. On the field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mac 
Welcome back, guys, here on your Birds 365. Cut down edition. Eagles cut the rush down to 53. We will have more activity today, or at least John and I believe so. Uh, we'll certainly have more activity because the Eagles are going to announce uh, the guys that they've uh, signed to their practice squad. We think it's going to be more than that, that they will actually claim a player or two. If they claim three, you're right, John. It is kind of a sign. Yeah, our roster's not good enough. We need to pick up somebody else's flotsam and jetsam and add them to our roster. It's kind of a bad look. So I don't think it's going to be three. The question is one or two. Uh, but we think that's coming down uh, later today. Uh, we're opening up from Les Bowen. He hasn't jumped the board just yet. Uh, was uh, with John yesterday in the asking of questions to both uh, Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni. Yeah, I want to get Les. It's yeah, trying to text Les right now. So I'll keep you updated. <laughs> his, his take on uh, what the Eagles did. We were talking about the quarterback position with uh, Jalen Hurts, Gardner Minshew, little Joe Flacco mixed in there. Across the league, one major quarterback move, which, oh, by the way, I do want to add this one, uh, Jake Luton. The Jake Luton, yeah. Les the, is coming in two minutes, by the way, two minutes. The supposed right. backup quarterback for Jacksonville was given his walking papers, so they only have C.J. Beathard down there right now to back up uh, Trevor Lawrence. Again, pointing out that Jacksonville said, do we really want these issues with Gardner Minshew here? So just something to keep an eye on, Eagles fans, if you think Harry yeah. Roseman's a genius because he landed Gardner Minshew. He is, if there's not an issue in the room, and we don't know there's not going to be an issue in the room. Just something to keep in the back of your mind. Um, but the New England Patriots, that Belichick guy who was here for joint practices, decided to go with the youth. Mac Jones, who you know I was high on, I had him ranked as the third quarterback in the draft. Lawrence won. Fields two, Jones three, Wilson four. And of course, the order was Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Lance, and Mac Jones. Uh, he's going to get the start in New England. I got to give Belichick credit because not only does he get Cam Newton signed, he gets him signed to a contract that you can absolutely walk away from, which they did. And they're ready to go with Mac Jones. We said this before the draft, he was the most day one ready quarterback in the draft and new England's going to make him day one ready and put him right in there as their starter. I, I think the Patriots did the right thing. How about you? Yeah, I think they did the right thing. Um, look, I said it with all young quarterbacks, you're going to have some hiccups, but I do think Cam Newton at, at this point isn't obviously what he once was. And I think ultimately you want to get on that path in modern football as quickly as possible to get that young quarterback, you know, it's going to be your future. So um, I know people will look at, even, even if you go back to Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, that's, that's a long time ago. It's a different NFL now. And I think people get young quarterbacks up to speed because the offenses are simplified. They have more college uh, aspects into it. So, when you get a young quarterback, you you sort of build your offense around him. And I think Josh McDaniels is 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 good enough to do that as a coordinator. And I was pretty impressed by Mac Jones, to be honest, when he was here as well to begin with. Um, so I think it was the right decision. But I also think, you know, and Urban Meyer's already gotten uh, in, in trouble for this, talking about vaccination status. And Bill Belichick's smart enough to say, no, it had nothing to do with it. It had something to do with it as well. The guy was just out for five days. 
Uh, and, you know, it's tough to win football games if you're in a game week and your starting quarterback can't practice. That is an issue. And uh, and Cam, is pro- Cam may very well never play again because of it. If he's going to stand <laughs> his ground and say, choice is choice, I'm making mine, well, the league can say choice is ours too, and we're not going to be signing Cam Newton anytime soon. All right, that, there's a smiling face we needed to add to uh, the – Birds 365, three shot, uh, I guess. Should I say now from the Associated Press, we know you're a quasi-free agent. You're a former inquirer. How would you like to be addressed, Mr. Bowen? Uh, just a grand imperial post. <laughs> I don't care. Whatever you want to say. Yeah, I, I, I only work, uh, you know, here and there for the Associated Press. I don't think they really want to claim me. Oh, that's no, they're gonna true. They're going to claim you less at some point. You know, Rob Motti's going to claim less Bowen. But I, I, I do want to get your thoughts. Obviously, the initial 53-man cut, and I think that's the key word uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's not the final cut, pet peeve of mine. Uh, your, your, your thoughts when you looked at it and say, what are the themes here? What stood out uh, for you? Yeah, it was interesting. I didn't see a whole lot of huge surprises. Uh, Howie Roseman made a good point yesterday about how heavy they went on the offensive and defensive lines, and that is their philosophy. Uh, Everybody that I saw that was predicting the roster, for example, had four running backs making the team. Well, they only kept three, and they only kept five wide receivers, even though they had more than that of guys who had performed reasonably well in the preseason and in camp. And it was because they wanted to hang on to all of their offensive and defensive linemen that they liked or that they drafted. And that was something that Howie kind of elided that I thought was pretty funny, John. You know, they kept that one defensive tackle, the sixth round pick. Marlon. 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 Whose last name I can't pronounce. I have to look at it and then I can pronounce it. I always have to look at it less. You know, I'm sorry. I wasn't at camp that much, but I did watch the preseason games. That guy was – yeah, off. he did not play. Uh, well. You know, uh, they kept him because how he drafted him. Let's be yeah. honest. You know, uh, it's not because they especially wanted to go heavy on the offensive and defensive lines. Is because how he drafted the guy this year. Uh, it's interesting they couldn't even even under that uh, flag they couldn't get uh, Jacoby Stevens on the roster. But yeah, uh, what did Jacoby do? What did he do? Now he got hurt, but yeah, you know they kept every draft pick except Jacoby Stevens. And that was the late round pick that most intrigued me, to be honest. Uh, I thought it was an interesting sort of modern like pick trying to get that hybrid player in the back seven. They'll probably get him on the practice squad. So it won't matter, but yes, it it is interesting that he's the one guy who couldn't make the cut. Yep. Uh, You know, I, it was, uh, they, they kind of leaned toward youth in decisions, uh, you know, like stole as tight end rather than Richard Rogers. I still think given the fact that uh, Jackson, uh, Tyree Jackson is going to be on IR eventually, I I think there's a chance Richard Rogers could be back after the first game. The the one thing the NFLPA really needs to, and, and they won't have a chance to address it in a CBA for years and years, but now, but, one of the biggest loopholes they have is this deal where I don't know if all fans understand it. If you're a vested veteran 
and you're on the roster week one, yeah, your salary is guaranteed for the entire season. But if they cut you before week one and then bring you back two days after the first game, voila, they play you, they, they owe you like a quarter of your guaranteed salary if they, you know, if they don't keep you all year. So more and more you're seeing teams say, eh, we can do without so-and-so for a few weeks. And if somebody else picks them up, eh, we'll, we'll live, you know, we don't want to pay that uh, two and a half million that he's owed or whatever, you know, and uh, that's it, it. You get all these guys cut and people are like, Oh my God, they cut so-and-so. Well, not, I mean, they did, but you might very well see him again. <laughs> and this has become a, a real, this every, every year there'll be somebody, I don't know if it'll be Richard Rogers. I think it might be. Could be Jordan Howard. There's Hassan Ridgeway. Hassan Ridgeway. Uh, yeah. You know, somebody like that, and maybe more than one of them is going to be back after week one. And that's kind of weird. And it's it's I, I don't know. If I were a union, I would not want something like that. They they keep trying to do stuff to help the, you know, bottom tier veterans, and that would that would help the bottom tier veterans quite a bit. Yeah, but see, here's the problem with that last – what you're saying is correct, but the NFL draws the line when it comes to money. Oh, and that is a money-saving move that you don't have to guarantee the contract if you wait to resign till after week number two. NFL will always move on less work, less time, but when it comes to keeping dollars in their pockets, maximizing the uh, bottom line, they always hold the line when it comes to collective bargaining on stuff like that. That's true. Uh, you, you, very good point, Jody. Yes. Uh, Les, I do. Uh, I think we have to talk about the quarterback situation because you've been around this team for a long time. You've they just went through this sort of taking this vacuum approach where, okay, let's we have Carson Wentz, let's draft Jalen Hurts, let's get a cost-effective backup. It blows up on them. Now a little bit different this time. You have Jalen Hurts. You bring in Gardner Minshew late, who, by the way, is more proven than Jalen Hurts. Um, Nick Sirianni spoke very glowingly about him yesterday, talking about playing him twice a year, saying he was 19 of 20 against him. Are they going down the same path with this not realizing it's great on paper, add talent to the quarterback factory, very cost-effective, but Gardner Minshew is coming from a place where he wanted to – compete with Trevor Lawrence is he going to be the type of guy who's just going to stand in line and say oh okay I'll be behind Jalen Hurts that's really interesting John uh I don't know I don't know anything about him other than what I've read uh that is a flaw of their thinking about the quarterback factory you don't that's not the way quarterbacks work it's not the way goalies work it's not the way you know ace pitchers work I mean you don't have you know, interchangeable or anything like that. That's, you know, you have to have a one and a two and a three. And even you remember when Joe Flacco signed here back in March and all the crap about he was going to compete. He was here to compete. You know, he didn't want to talk about, you know, nurturing Jalen Hurts and blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, other than Josh McCown, they haven't acquired a lot of quarterbacks over the last several years who, understood you know they were here to be backups and and really embraced that role and josh mccown was 140 years old when he got (laughs) hurt when he finally had to play you know um 
But the one thing that struck me yesterday, maybe it was a reaction to the Minshew trade, but when Nick Sirianni, you know, named Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback, he really spoke, I thought, very much from the heart. You know, he he didn't just say, oh, yeah, it's going to be Jalen. He went on and on about what Jalen had shown him during this camp and and so forth. And I felt like it was a pretty strong endorsement. Um, more than I expected, frankly, given their their stance up to this point. Uh, so I don't know how Minshew feels. And I'd love to know how Flacco feels right now, because he's clearly number three out of that group. Uh, but I, I don't think Hertz is going to feel unsettled by this, at least from a Sirianni standpoint. Uh, All right, Les, want to get your take on now that, well, I guess we still have uh, however many practices the Eagles have between now and next Sunday to add mm -hmm. into the mix, but no one's going to get a look at it other than the coaching staff because they've shut down availability to guys like you and John. Uh, so we have to like take their word on it that they look great in practice. The Eagles had a specific way of doing things. Nick Sirianni, the coach, of how much he was going to put into judging talent in the preseason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson's going to be there right now. We all know that. That's fine. They went light on Lane. He didn't play much, didn't get many snaps. A couple guys filled that bill. But other positions and other guys didn't play as much as you usually think during preseason. I know we all have to mentally adjust because it was only three games rather than four, but it seemed to me like the Eagles – did a little less than we've seen the Doug Peterson Eagles or certainly going back to the Chip Kelly, Randy Reed Eagles um, of getting reps on the field, getting ready for game number one. We're going to judge Nick Sirianni on that come game one against the Falcons. Do you think they'll be better for it because they're relatively healthy? You certainly do that. You don't put your guy in harm's way. He's not going to get hurt. But are they going to be up to speed? Are they going to have the, uh, the 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 wherewithal to play all sixty minutes? How much stock are you putting into judging the Eagles and what they do week one against Atlanta? Ah, that's a good question, Jody. I think they. I don't think they'll be all that sharp. Uh, the the point was to be relatively healthy, and they did do that. Uh, I don't think you get you know that everybody's all about the joint practices now. And they did those with two different teams. And that's kind of the way of the NFL these days. And we'll see uh, how sharp it gets you. I, I don't know. I You mentioned Andy Reid. He's still very much, you know, you saw Mahomes out there yeah. in the preseason yep. game. Andy thinks you need to do what you need to do to get ready, you know, and, and you, you can't just uh, sit and watch and, and go out there on week one. Uh Peterson really, though, had the same concept as Sirianni. Uh, they did not have a preseason last year, you know, of any sort. Uh, but before that, Doug, in 2019, you know, we hardly saw the starters. I don't think we saw Wentz at all in 2019. Um, you know, it's uh, this is the way the league's going. You know, it's, that's the new thinking. I There are things about it I could, you know, I, 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 I do think having your offensive line together and getting them reps in a really competitive situation is is useful. And I think having a quarterback perform against a real rush is useful. And I'm not sure these joint practice 
you know, okay, somebody touched the quarterback and he's down. You know, I don't know that that's the same thing. I Maybe it is. Uh, I, I do know 17-game season, you're just not going to have, you know, guys killing each other in preseason. <laughs> you know, I mean, that they might not be that great in week one, but I don't think week one is going to define a 17-game season. It is interesting, though, Les, when you talk about guys, as Jody mentioned, Lane Johnson, you know, the Jason Kelseys of the world, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. I, I do think there's room for a sliding scale. Those guys, we know those guys. We know they've proven themselves. I don't think they need a ton of preseason reps. On the other hand, we get to the Jets game, and, you know, Jalen Hurts is a, a, a second-year starting quarterback with four career starts. It wasn't their fault. He got sick before the Patriots game. But nonetheless, the end game is he's got 10 live reps. Devontae Smith, who was injured for a lot of camp, is in street clothes with Lane and Fletcher, not even dressed, not even warming up. Um, is is there is there a, a comfortable middle there? Is, should it be one way? Okay, let's just get everybody healthy, or especially the younger players, we got to get them up to speed. Do you think there's a better sort of middle space? Yeah, that's a. I think there is, and I, that's a very you, you sketched it out very well. For instance. Hurts plays a series in that game. Does that really, I mean, if he suffers a catastrophic injury, uh, that's horrible. But what are the chances really of that in one series against the Jets or Devontae Smith, a couple series against the Jets? You know, if he's that fragile, I, then they made a horrible mistake in drafting him. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, I, I do think these people needed work and, uh, you know, I would have liked to have seen I would like to have seen some units play together, like the linebackers or the, you know, the defensive line that's really going to start the season or the offensive line. As I mentioned, even though individual veterans, we do know, you know, what what they have. I just feel these units need cohesion and, and you know, some sense of, of what everybody else around them is doing. And I, you don't get that in this kind of preparation, I don't think. All right, Les, you get one of my faves. What do you got coming here, McMullen, if I'm saying it's one of my faves? Hypothetical question Hypothetical coming. question coming your way, Les Bowen. I'm going to give you a stat line, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Week one, NFL, Philadelphia Eagles receiver. Seven catches, 1-1-1, 111 yards, plus a touchdown. And I'm not talking about Devonta Smith. I'm talking about Zach Ertz. Ertz gets seven catches, 111 yards, and a touchdown. More likely or less likely, he's traded the next week. Oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> I was, I, I, that's, that's why I do it that way. Is to keep you guessing, Les. Ah, that's an interesting question, Jody. I. I don't know. I it it almost seems like they would that increase his value that much that they would be able to make a deal. I guess it depends on the tight end situations around the league. Um, my sense right now is he's just going to play this season, and he might end up being their leading receiver again because he he had a heck of a good camp. His head's on straight this year. Uh, you know, there's 
no, he's not sulking over anything. He's not disappointed. Uh, he knows his situation. He's got to have a great year to get what he wants in free agency. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Week one. I mean, the, the trade deadline will be interesting when it when it comes to to him. But we'll have to see what this offense can really do and how much they actually need him. I mean, it's it's just not proven that you know, they're going to have a, a really productive offense without Zach Ertz yet. That's one thing I I keep coming back to. Uh, yeah. But I don't see a trade after week one. I Maybe in October, but I, I don't maybe see Maybe at the trade deadline, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Zach, by the way, Monday – yeah, what day are we? Monday, he's wearing the shorts the right way. I think he's come to grips. He's he's going to be a Philadelphia Eagles. So, I, I agree with Les there. I do – I want to shift gears, Les, to something that isn't sexy, but Jody and I were talking about it at least a little bit early in the show. You were here, obviously, through the Chip Kelly regime when Dave Bipp first got here. And you know how good this special teams unit was when they had the Chris Maragoses of the world and the Brian Bramans and the Najee Goods. It always seemed like they earmarked one or two players for special teams. They don't seem to do that anymore. Rudy Ford was great at it. And people in Jacksonville are raving about him. Craig James was great at it, but they're injury-prone guys. They weren't on the field much. Craig James got cut. Poor Michael Clay just turned 30, youngest coordinator in the NFL. And, oh, by the way, Les, they barely practice special teams, at least when we're out there. Mm. They are only out there for 90 minutes, 70 minutes. They give Michael Clay 10, 15 minutes. Uh, is is this feasible? Are the Eagles making a mistake? Coaches pay a lot of lip service to special teams yeah. and then, then spend a lot of time preparing. Is that a concern for you? You know, I, I hadn't really thought that much about it until you brought it up, but you're certainly right. The, the, the teams that have good special teams, sure, it's because the coach is pretty good, but – it's it's how much resources you put into it. It's how many players you give the guy. You know, one of my first years covering the – maybe my first year covering the Eagles, I remember very vividly uh, special teams coverage got off to a horrible start. And uh, John Harbaugh was the special teams coach. And he was uh, – basically he forced Andy Reid – to get rid of Quentin Caver, who was a second round pick from a few years before, who just couldn't do anything. It was a horrible pick. He couldn't play special teams. Got rid of Quentin Caver. The Cowboys were trying to get Keith Adams onto their practice squad. And the, the Eagles snatched up Keith Adams, whose nickname was Bullet because he was a little guy with no neck. Mm. Uh, who's like, who became like Jeremiah Trotter's protege. But Keith Adams transformed the coverage. Just that one change, Quentin Caver to Keith Adams, and all of a sudden they were covering kicks, <laughs> you know, and that you need that sense. You need that guy here and there. You know, you need two or three of those guys to, to really get it done. And uh, maybe they think they have that in young players. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I I would like to think about that some more, but you're right. It has not been a big area of emphasis that we can see thus far, and it certainly is important. 
All right, Les, I want to uh, jump back into one of the areas that the Eagles should have tight focus on, and that's defense. Jonathan Gannon, new defensive coordinator, has impressed most people, certainly as my partner. Uh, Johnny Mack has been impressed by him and uh, thinks he's a guy who's on the fast track to becoming an NFL head coach. Uh, his philosophy has been stated well, and the hits fly and everything else. Um, they cut down the rosters, let it right down the mid middle, 53 guys, you take the three specialists aside, you got 50 left, 25 defensive players, 25 offensive players. Did they give Jonathan Gannon enough bullets to have a top 10 defense in the NFL this year? Practice, it seemed like it. However much emphasis you want to put on joint practices, their defense was really pretty good against both the Patriots and the Jets. Maybe not so much the third stringers in the preseason games themselves, but when their starters were out there, they stopped other teams. How good a defense is it going to be for Jonathan Gannon this year? Well, I think a lot, Jody, depends on is is Rodney McLeod really ready? You know, is he going to be close to ready when the season starts? I don't think they're that good at safety without him. Uh it's some other situations like that. I mean, I, I, up front with the starters, they're bulletproof, I think. But again, when you get into the, the subs, I don't think they're very good. The linebacking, we don't have any idea yet. It's a different group. It's a different setup than they've had before. I, I don't have to see that to really have any idea. I get corner. They're a lot better than they were last year. Um, I, I think, Top 10 is is ambitious, but sure, it's possible if everybody's healthy, if the right people are healthy all year long. Uh, I, I do like some of the things he's done, and I think he is just listening to him, a very smart, astute guy. And, uh, you know, if they have a meteoric rise defensively, they might have trouble holding on to him. Yeah. Uh, somebody might want him as a head coach, even though the league trends more and more offense uh, – you know, a guy that engineers a quick turnaround and is well-spoken and, you know, impressive uh, is going to get some some feelers, certainly. All right. Last one from me, Les. I want to talk to you about the two lightning rods, probably from the fan base on this initial 53-man roster. Andre Dillard, obviously, first-round pick, 2019, loses the job to Jordan Mailata, and then J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, second-round pick, who – hasn't done anything in two years, but to be honest, outplayed Travis Fulgham in training camp, outplayed uh, John Hightower in training camp. So from that perspective, probably deserves to be here. Um, your thoughts on those two particular players? Yeah, I, I wasn't real surprised that either of them made the roster, especially not Dillard. I mean, Dillard really hasn't had – He's been hurt a good bit. He was hurt all last year. He was hurt during training camp this year. I think throwing away a first-round pick that quick who hasn't really, uh, you know, gone out and disgraced himself over and over again yeah. is un would be unusual in the NFL. It really would. Now, whether they're ever going to get anything really out of Andre Dillard is another question, but I'm not surprised that he's here. I think he has great ability. He just, you know, it's a question of his personality and his his fire and 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 his physicality, uh, you know, his willingness to to play a physical style. 
Uh, with Ortega Whiteside, I don't know. I don't. I think he's an enthusiastic team first guy, which is what you want in your fifth receiver. I I, I don't really because we haven't been in a locker room since 2019. Travis Fulgham is really an enigma to me. I kind of sense Mike Sielski from the Inquirer wrote a column last year when Fulgham dropped off after that incredible stretch, noting some things that his college coach at Old Dominion had said about Travis Fulgham. And he was kind of like that in college. You know, he didn't, you know, at Old Dominion, you think a guy with that kind of talent, yeah. like the best player on the field every week, he, he wasn't. Uh, interesting guy, comes from a, his parents are diplomats. You know, he grew up all over the world, didn't play a lot of football. Uh, I don't know that he's that kind of guy as the fourth or fifth receiver, that gung-ho, let's go play special teams, let's, you know, see if we get two snaps, let's, you know, kill those two snaps. Uh you know, I, I I think that's part of the, the equation there. John Hightower, to me, disappeared this summer. I don't know what yeah. happened to him. But yeah. uh, Ortega Whiteside, high pick, right kind of attitude, fifth receiver. Doesn't bother me for him to be the fifth receiver, you know. The problem is he was drafted in the second round. Yeah. yeah uh, but, yeah, they're both still here. Whether we'll ever get anything out of them, I, I, I can't tell you. Uh New coach, you know, who knows? Uh, it, it could work out for either one of them still. All right. Uh, last one for me, Les, will be getting on the record. Uh, and we certainly give you the ability to change your mind between now and next Sunday. I uh, don't know if you're going to do a specific prediction piece for uh, AP. I know you'll put something up on Twitter, at Les Bowen, uh, before the season starts. John and I are both on record. Despite the uh, stream here who think – that we just beat up the Eagles on a day-in, day-out basis, and we're two negative old guys. Yeah. Both John and I think they can win eight games, at least right now. I may get to nine next week. I could fall back to seven. I doubt highly I'm going to move more than one game one way or the other. How many games do you think you're going to win? And, yes, everyone should cut less. Now, we're not going to hold you to this. Les Bowen said 14 wins for the Eagles. Now, if you want to change your mind afterwards, feel free. But as of today, how many games do you think the Eagles win this upcoming year, Les? Boy, I was just going to go right where you were there. I, I'm thinking eight and nine uh, right now. I don't see there are people that are talking about three wins. and Yeah, I don't see that at all. I, I don't see it. I'd be amazed. I mean, everybody would have to get hurt again, basically, for that to happen. They'd have to be playing Joe Flacco and, uh, you know, Brett Toth and, you know, uh, it and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside for that to happen, I, I think. They're better than that. Uh, are they good enough to win like 12 games? I Yeah, probably not. I mean, almost certainly not. But we don't know about the division. Uh, some people think Washington's going to be really good. If Washington is really, really good, that has a big impact. You know, uh, you play them twice. Obviously, any team in your division that really breaks out, that suddenly has an impact on your total. But I don't see any reason why they can't be seven, eight, nine wins uh, right now. Their schedule outside the division isn't horrendous. Uh, I, I, you know, they were they were four, eleven, and one last year because a lot of people got hurt and the wheels fell off for Carson Wentz. It wasn't that they had no talent whatsoever on the roster, you know. Uh, so yeah, I'm right there with you guys. Les, we like it whenever you're here with us. We appreciate you coming on today. We'll tap into you plenty during the season. Thanks for joining us, buddy.
My Thanks, Les. Take Les, Les Bowen uh, doing work these days for the Associated Press, only been following the Eagles for decades. All right, so it's, I guess, the Greybeards, John, you, me, and Les. Yeah. Uh, Which, by and- the way, you're right. Everybody calls me negative, yet I pick the Eagles to win more games than they do. Right. How, many, how many media members are in town on record yeah. with the ability to switch We'll both next week, next Friday on the show, we'll 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 put our numbers in stone on how many games we think the Eagles are gonna win. But you and I have both have been on an eight and nine mark basically since we started 365 after the draft was over free agency at least two, two and a half months have we been on when they've released the schedules when we got to eight and nine and we haven't moved, but somehow we're negative Nellies. I don't get it. Um yeah, I'm good with eight and nine right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm good. I'm good right in that wheelhouse, eight, nine, nine, and eight. That's where I think they're going to be. Um, it's ob- objectivity, Jody. People don't like objectivity. Yeah. They want to be uh, blown smoke up there. You so, know what? So, but then so. they want to say, oh, so-and-so's great. So-and-so's great. So-and-so's great. So-and-so's great but they're going to win six games. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, so, so, somebody's got to call it the way they see it. And if it's the Mac and Mac guy, so be it. John McMullen, Jody McDonald coming right back. We'll put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams. 
deserve a Philadelphia bank. Uh, we'd be all but out of time. We thank Les Bowen for hopping aboard with us. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to have Vinny Serrato, former general manager of the Washington Redskins, turned media talk show host down in Baltimore, all around good dude. Uh, Vinny, who's been on with us before, will be on with us again tomorrow. I uh, thought we'd get an ex general manager on the week of cuts, give us a little bit of a context of to what it's all about and how it does shake out in the NFL. Looking forward to talking to Vinny. All right. Two things before we uh, uh, move on to tomorrow. I, I tried to hold your feet to the fire earlier in the show. I think, I believe you went to Eagles, 2 o'clock. We'll find out if they put claims in for any players, what players they get. They're sixth on the claiming list of last year's uh, end-of-season record. Two new Eagles as of 4 o'clock this afternoon, McMullen? I think two. I think two. I think the indication of any more than that sounds a bad, a bad message to. And again, uh, ego of the GM does play into it. Not just Howie Roseman. Everybody. Everybody's GM. Okay, so we'll be on the lookout for that, and that's certainly something we're going to talk about tomorrow. And speaking of tomorrow, in addition to Vinny Serrato, I got to give props to one of our uh, streaming guys because I just whined about the streamers taking shots at you and I for being too negative. <laughs> too negative. Uh, um, so, so let me give props to a guy, John McMullen. It may be the first question I ask you tomorrow. We don't have time to do it. We're already over. Um, so we're saving this for tomorrow, but our buddy Birdman 990 put this out there. John does eight and nine get Jalen the job, which I'm assuming means 2022. He's got the job now. We finally found out he's got the job. The coach finally came out and said he's the starting quarterback yesterday. No, I think he means in 2022. Very yeah. fair question. Very good question. Very, very, very fair question. It is. A lot so, of context to that question. There is. And I will ask you about all that context because it's going to need an in-depth answer tomorrow. Here on Birds 365. J-Mac, uh, have a good day uh, covering all the more Eagle moves. We'll do it again in 22 hours, buddy. Looking forward to it. Let's do it. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.